0: We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth.
1: This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative. I'm Jackie, and if you wanna see real results and work with great humans to grow your business, then Impulse Creative is your agency, and I'm your contact. Reach out to me through our website, impulsecreative.com today, and let's chart your course for growth. From a website that will get results to helping implement a marketing strategy, we're here to help your business grow.
0: Welcome Wayfinders, I'm Remington Beg,
2: And hey, I'm Dan Moyle, and we're so glad that you're here. On today's episode, we're talking with Jean Hopkins. Now, we first met Jean when she was a VP of marketing at HubSpot way back in the day. It feels weird to say, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like such a new company, but it's not. Um, over the years, she's moved around, landing at her current gig as CMO of Lola.com. And we'll let Gene explain Lola.com and how I started and all that. But she's now working alongside her former colleague, Mike Volpe. So he's former yeah. CMO, now CEO at Lola.com, which I found interesting too. Um, so yeah, really a really fascinating experience for users, partners, employees. So Remington, I want to know, uh, you got to go back and listen to this. What did you pull out yeah. of this episode that you want people to, to, to see?
0: Yeah, it seemed like a party. You two, uh, two peas in the pod. Um, <laughs> it, awesome. it was fun. It's fun to listen. And even like the, the, the stuff that isn't necessarily going to be on the finished recording, the beginning and the end, um, you could tell that she really values relationships. So that's amazing. Um, one of the, one of the things that really stuck with me was she, we talked about shipwrecks and she talked about like learning experiences from them makes it makes it so it doesn't feel like a shipwreck all the time. Mm -hmm. But one of the things she did say, um, were shipwrecks is when she sees team failures. And I thought that that was really unique because I share a similar mentality on that is, you know, she said that like if there's fa- if there's failures like someone w- wasn't able to do the job and has to get let go or if there's personality conflicts where people can't just can't work with each other she sees that that that's a failure on her part as a team leader um mm-hmm. and i thought that it was kind of neat because that that recenters a lot of pe- time people into thinking differently about how to make a team succeed mm-hmm. um and then one of the one of the other things was you know, she said, as marketers, when you acquire uh, a marketing job at a company, a lot of times you go in and you want to make a big splash, you want to change everything, website redesign, all that jazz <laughs> um, out the wazoo. And she said, um, you got to focus and find the small stuff that you can tweak out of the gate because they're, you know, going all in on a website redesign as soon as you acquire uh, a job it can be a dangerous feat. Um, So find those tiny things that can make really big outcome changes. Um, You know, what can you tweak? What can you adjust? So there was a, she didn't say it exactly like that, but there was a theme that she expanded on quite a bit, a couple of times throughout the whole episode that I thought was pretty awesome.
2: And and I love that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. I love that because, you know, I've seen CMOs come in. I've read articles where they come in and they try to like rebrand. Let's just rebrand real quick. Like, like, don't do that. And I love her like steps. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was really good. What about
2: you? What about you? Um, so I loved the discussion on pivoting. So the, uh-huh. the co-founder uh, of Lola.com is Paul English, who's the co-founder of Kayak, which is that, that you know, consumer travel thing, um, kind of like an Experian or whatever, right? And, and so he has this big success and a few others too. And so Lola.com was created as this B2C adventure, but now they're a B2B yeah. company. And I, and I really think that that transition point, how they got there and, and why and everything, it's just really interesting to me, and and I was, I loved that part, and and it just yeah. shows too that that past success for Paul doesn't mean that you have all the answers, and and it's true. who helped shape that transition was pretty interesting too. So yeah, l- yeah. listen for that. Yeah, yeah. It, chat.
0: I think a lot of times people get stuck in, in uh, stuck in what they think something should be, and it's really cool to see these larger companies like that like make that move. So. Mm-hmm. No, it was a great episode. Um, and you know, it really does sound like a couple friends just having a chat over <laughs> sweet
2: tea, sweet tea. That's right. Yep. Yep. Oh, I love some good sweet tea. Yeah, it was fun. So thanks for letting me do that. Um, yeah, yeah there, here we go. So, so listeners, viewers, if you want to listen on the go, we have audio only, uh, for your podcast player of choice. You can go find us there. If you want to watch the interviews, you can watch each episode at wayfindinggrowth.com. So be sure to subscribe to get the latest in uh, episode in your inbox. All right, Remington, here we go. Season 3, Episode 7. Let's set that course for growth. Hmm. Gene Hopkins, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. Thanks for being here.
1: Uh, I appreciate it, Dan. It's nice to see you again.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like old friends coming together for coffee, isn't it? Uh, always. It's funny because uh, in prepping for this interview, I've been listening to some of your other interviews with you know uh, with, with other shows out there. Um, uh, Bertie Borges. The I love him. Yeah. I I love he's such a great guy. Um, and a couple others. And I was like, man, it has been far too long since we spoke. So this is fun. <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> we go back, we go back a ways when you were back in your days at HubSpot. Yes. So we'll get to all of that, how you charted your course, but I want to <laughs> first bring the viewers and, and listeners up to date. What exactly, who exactly is Lola.com?
1: Lola.com is the world's best uh, business travel management software platform out there. Uh, we're number one rated by our users. Uh, it's easy to use commercial grade in a consumer quality app. Um, can't say enough but good things about it. Lots of fun.
2: Yeah. So, so you help business travelers and companies manage all of this business travel. Is that right?
1: Well, I think what you can think about it is the platform itself helps you to save time. I mean, the average amount of time that goes into booking a business trip, I'm sure, Dan, every time you go to book a business trip, you feel like sticking a fork in your eye, right? right. So <laughs> so it's uh, the average time that it takes to book a business trip is a couple of hours, right? And then you have the trip and then you have the time to do the expenses. So uh, all, all in one, I mean, that's kind of a hassle. It's a little bit of on the detail side. So, our integrations with various expense platforms, like Expensify, for example, allow you to book your travel, your business travel, your airfare your um, hotel and your car all through uh, Lola Lola Lola.com the platform you take your trip we've got your back while you're traveling we make sure we have a group of wombats that work 24 7 so if there's weather or cancellations or anything like that we've got your back so you can get to and from wherever you are then your expenses uh, the receipts are integrated with your expense platform so you're saving time saving time up front saving time on the back end and And if you're traveling with other people, you can also share your trips. You know, I'm sure like sometimes you're going someplace, you're going to go to a conference and somebody's saying, well, what are you taking? Which airline are you taking? Which flight are you taking? That, That this allows you to share it very easily, but more importantly, you get the ability to save money and the money component of it is in a few different ways. First of all, we have the largest amount of inventory through our relationships with American Express Global Business Traveler so we get great savings um, on airfare we have a relationship with priceline so you get great savings on cars and hotels as well and no one else has these so we're saving you time we're saving you money but more importantly we've got your back and unlike other platforms we're a single price we don't charge you per booking and that's the cool one of the many cool things about lola so
2: So, so it sounds like you take into account a lot of, uh, experience, you know, you, you've, you really know your personas, no shock there. <laughs> the history, um, But you take into account experience. How, how do you focus on that, that term now that we talk about experience, customer experience, user experience, blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. And this, in today's fractured and distracted world of travel.
1: Well, it is. I mean, it's it's a good point. I mean, a lot of people complain and there's also, there's been a lot of news stories just in the past couple of days. I don't know, Dan, if this has ever happened to you. You go and you look at a flight and you say, well, I want to go from here to Peoria. And I look at this flight and, you know, I'm going to go visit the parents. I'm going to go visit the family, looking at it. And I'm looking at July 12th through the, the 19th, something like that. And you say, okay, that flight's about $292, you know, multiplied by four blah 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 so then you go back and you go and you look at a flight again for the same july 12th through the 19th from here to peoria and all of a sudden it's 318 dollars the and and that's happened right so a little trick that you can do is if you're not using a tool like lola is you go in and you use a um Uh, uh, a window that is a no follow window. I'm sorry. I can't even think of what it is right now (laughs) to be able to, to kind of trick because they're looking at doing a reverse IP lookup and that cost of travel is ever fluid. There is no one day, there is no one time to buy the best possible flight or anything in order to save. What we do is we help a finance leader, which is one of our personas, to be able to put the parameters around a policy. For example, um, if you come to Boston in the middle of the summer, it's kind of a destination in the middle of the summer because everybody wants to go and see it. You're near the Ocean, you get to see this you get to see that the average cost of a hotel room in July in Boston is around $600 $600 a night okay and <laughs> that's a lot of money probably outside your travel policy parameters but if you only had policies that covered up to two hundred dollars you would be so far away from boston i don't even know how you'd get in so that's another challenge so there we try to make sure that your policies in your particular portal are flexible but also give your employees the ability to stay within to show their savings like if for example i'm going to new york in the and my um policy says at this given time in the middle of January, I shouldn't spend any more than $285 on a hotel in Midtown. Okay. And I book a hotel for $250. Well, I've done well. I'm under $35 under the travel policy. But say I can only find something for 315 even though I've looked and I kind of have a sense of it. And I look and it comes in at 315 Well, I'm over policy, but I have to write a note to my finance leader to say, why did you book this of policy. And I would say, well, it's right next to the convention center. Otherwise I'd have to use Uber or I'd have to spend uh, money going back and forth. So I'm kind of saving money. These are all part and parcel of a policy. And I think it's important for employees to understand that we have a fiduciary responsibility to our organizations in addition that policies i don't know of a single finance leader that is willing or has any desire to play traffic cop with their employees and if you've ever worked for a company where the the finance person gets six six months worth of um sales receipts for a you know their travel they're usually not very happy about it and they are usually don't like being the one to say, hey, why are you giving me this? The year closed two months ago and now I've got like a couple of thousand dollars that you're saying you need right away. So having policy, having structure around it, the reporting, all that makes it easier. So you save time and money.
2: Hmm. And, and <laughs> too so much that, no, that's, that's a lot i mean but it's great because it is you spoke to like all the things that make give me anxiety about travel <laughs> you know?
1: it gives everyone gonna,
2: anxiety okay. yes um so another part of experience you said wombats yes so that now that made me giggle i kind of know the story but explain what wombats are and why it's that
1: well wombats are a marsupial and yeah. uh they're from uh they're from God, why? I I'm t- definitely have a cold. I'm sorry. I've been taking this. And uh, Australia, okay, they're in Australia, and with all those fires that have been happening there, they've actually been saving other animals because they've been burrowing so deep that there's other animals that they normally wouldn't work and play well together with that are actually able to survive because they dig. But we have our VP of product. Um, uh, Rachel Nisham. she always wanted to have a team that was called the Wombats and a group of wombats has caused a wisdom, called a wisdom, and every two weeks, the wombats have a wisdom den meeting, where they share their wisdom with the organization, and they are super smart about travel, and they are the ones that are on the front end, so uh, every night, uh, 24-7, seven days a week, every holiday, we are making sure that our travelers are getting where they need to go, and um, getting back as well, which is pretty important. We have so many wonderful wonderful stories with people saying, you helped me out of a bind here. I, I, I could give you tons and tons of stories about passports, about multi-destination trips, all things get messed up because of you go through the Midwest sometimes you go through Chicago or Dallas and things happen and you don't really want to be there for an extended period of time.
2: Right, right. So it sounds like you give you uh, well, the, the leadership gives people within the company, that autonomy and creativity to be able to create their own experience. And she wanted a Wombats. She wanted a team of Wombats. That's amazing. You guys have, <laughs> you have at least, at least four different podcasts that share yeah. the experience of the company. You, yes. you have all kinds of different ways to do that. That is, was that intentional from the founding of the company that it needed <laughs> to be different?
1: Well, the company was founded by Paul English, who also founded Kayak, and originally when it was founded in July of 2015, it was supposed to be a B2C product for those travelers that needed support when they're taking leisure trips. But think about it, a leisure trip, you take a leisure trip maybe once a year. Um, maybe you go to Disney with your family, maybe you go to Universal Studios because you, you, you want to see Harry Potter, you know, whatever. But you can handle those kinds of things. The idea was uh, people that were maybe going to Europe and that we were taking care of their experiences they were doing it. Mm-hmm. And Mike Volpe, who, as you know, from HubSpot, he had been the CMO there. He joined in the Summer of 2018, and he said, Okay, that's great, but you know, where do people travel the most? Business, right? And people, when they're doing for business, we're willing to put up with a lot more because we're trying to get from point A to point B. Like I'll take a red-eye because I wanna get home, right? Rather than wasting an entire day going from the West Coast to the East Coast on a plane. But I probably wouldn't do that on a leisure trip. So we pivoted to B2B and we actually only got our first paying customers in August of 2018. And we just renewed those customers. And now we're renewing customers. Uh, Yay. Actually, what was kind of fun, and I think you heard this on Bernie's, is that I wanted to Get in touch with these as a as the chief marketing officer of Lola, I wanted to be the person that was calling to get the renewals because I wanted to know why would you renew or why would you not renew? And being able to stay ahead of the curve on those. And one of the members of the customer success team now is responsible for the renewals. Um, and, and it's less of a finance and more of a bridging the gap between what the customer was sold and 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 what the customer expected. what what exactly they were sold something they expected something is the product delivering and then we're able to give that feedback constantly to the product team
2: Uh, excellent and does that kind of come from like it's it's interesting to me that your the ceo of the company was a cmo (laughs) yeah yeah not the ceos don't care about customers they do but like there's a difference with a cmo has that led to this way that you guys have pivoted and the way you take care of customers too
1: well, Mike is very, he's just a smart, smart businessman. And you you know, Mike Volpe, he's a, he's a great guy. He's a fair human being. He knows how to run companies. He knows how to invest in companies. He's looked at a lot of different kinds of companies. He was part of the founding team at HubSpot. Um, very highly regarded. He's learned. He he knows more in his pinky than most of us know. I always say he is he is as I know really. It's, that's what we have to do with him. He knows he is so good. For example, with hashtags, it's the funniest thing. Or being able to devise a theme or something that he thinks might be hot. I, I mean, it's hard being a marketer working for what is inherently a marketer, but he is such a good business person and his logic and the way he approaches things in terms of unit economics. I mean, he and I make a good balance because he is always thinking and I'm probably always talking. So it's...
2: (laughs) That sounds like me at impulse. Remedian's always
1: thinking, I'm always talking. There you go. And it's, it's great because, um, I worked for him before I worked for him at HubSpot and, you know, you know, when you're going to work for a CEO, you want to make sure that you have that relationship, that you have that trust, um, and that because it is, let's face it, marketing spends the most money. Most has the largest variable expense in any organization. Most other teams in an organization, it's all headcount and it's less variable. So for my team, it's about a third headcount and all the rest is programs, Um, whether it's content or paid or investment in technologies, all that kind of stuff. So the trust there has to be, are we spending money efficiently? Are we getting the ROI that we need out of it? And when we're making any kind of shifts um, in our go to market, are we doing things correctly? So you definitely need to have that kind of a mindset about because I don't consider myself an arts and crafts marketer um I'm definitely one that's very attuned to the unit economics of what we're trying to do I I mean I like having fun but I also like saving money and and being able to have things be repeatable and easy and keep moving forward so um I think it's a good we're a good team I I I believe
2: yeah, it seems it seems to be working. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> I and hope that, so. <laughs> and that that unit economics versus arts and crafts like that's such an yeah. important point that we're in right now in today's day and age where marketing is being held more accountable. Yes, we we can track more. We can yes. see, and as things change so often, yes, it's not just well this looks pretty. This this is funny. This is going to work. Like you have to look <laughs> at the, the, the data. So, yeah.
1: yeah well, Fair we point. we tried something yesterday. We did a. um, Uh, Well, it was actually last week. It was really cold here in Boston. It was probably like 10 degrees out. And we wanted to try and just talk to people right outside our building and see what they thought about business travel. So we had one of our very peppy salespeople uh, go out there with a mic and one of our marketing people took some pictures. We just wanted to see how it worked. Um, There really wasn't any outcome from it. And, but what we did learn is we learned a few things about this individual that did the recording. She learned audio, she learned video, she learned editing, she learned captioning. And so while it wasn't uh, a a knock it out of the park kind of a project, it really was a lot of fun for her and also the salesperson. So there was some upside. The downside was, um, well, I guess we all learned from it that we wouldn't do it that way again, that we'd have to figure out a different way to connect with business travelers in, in a different capacity, not people walking right. on the street in Boston. Sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always learning, right? Always. So, so Gene, now that we've built the, the ship of Lola.com, <laughs> I want to know how you as the CMO charted your course to get here. How did you get here today to be where you are in the seat?
1: Well, I think this is maybe my sixth um, CMO gig. Um, It's the way I like to look at things is um, I always like to look first at a database. I want to see what do we have to work with? What is, what's real, what's not real? Look at individual pages um, of the website. Are they delivering? Work closely with sales to be able to make sure are you getting the right kinds of leads? So when I joined in October of 2018, I think we generated, I'm going to call them 100 form completions um, on some ebooks. There, they really weren't ebooks and we had the ability to create things on how to build a travel policy, checklists, all that kind of stuff and then going out and getting you know trying to fill the pipeline with leads but very carefully trying to figure out what is sales able to close, what what do they need so at the same time that I was building out marketing Ryan Ball who also worked at HubSpot, uh, he had uh, just come from, he was at Gurus, and we both joined at the same time, Mike Volpe wanted to make sure that the head of sales and the head of marketing knew each other, respected each other. And he hired us at the same time so that we were coming at it from the same sort of mentality. So Ryan and I used to sit back to back together at HubSpot, and we banged chairs all the time. And he was selling international, but you know we had a level of respect for each other. Did we hang out together? No, I mean, but we were connected, and you'd see see each other. So you wanted to make sure are we on the same page. So the first thing we had to make a lot of fixes to the website because the website had been built in HubSpot in subdomains which is not really good for SEO as you know so and they had all been hard-coded by the engineering team which everything yeah you're closing your eyes but I was like I was like That's, that's trying to it. fix all those things and all those redirects and an effort to be able to figure out what do we need we needed a lot more product information on the site so if people were coming to us we're one of the few travel software companies that has transparent pricing we have a pricing page other uh competitors in this field they don't have pricing um it's kind of like a catch all as catch can and we want to be fully transparent with what our product does and how much it's going to cost so and it's- It's constantly evolving like I was editing a page last night Um, you know I'm always like making some sort of a change doing something not not like gross big go-to market things but things that are gonna help the sales team be able to sell better and being able to have, you know, I meet with Ryan once a week, we Slack, we text each other, um, so that we're totally aligned in terms of what we're trying to achieve. So, how did I get here? It's it's so much of it is, um, my undergraduate degree is in finance and accounting. And I think that budget kind of approval is very, very important because you have to have a great relationship with your finance leader at every single company. Um, At one company I was at, half of me was reporting to the CEO and the other half of me was reporting to the CFO um, because we're a publicly traded company and I had investor relations, public relations, and product publicity under my auspices. But also the CEO wanted me as corporate marketing so being able to have that level of trust um, and being able to understand not overspending but on the other hand not underspending if you've got a budget use it or lose it so I think it's the finance background being able to get along with finance and being able to be trustworthy with a budget of fairly big budget um, in every case. Um, and the second thing is, I, I believe, is being able to work and play well with a sales organization. That they have a tough, tough job. And I, I've always said that the really good demand generation marketers have some sales experience in their, you know, in their resume. Because... If you know how hard it is to sell and how hard it is to be able to make a quota and and how focused people are, if they're good at sales, this is what this is. To be in sales and to be successful, it's, it's a day after day, week after week, month after month grind. And the people that are good at it have done the momentum, they understand it, but that's your job in marketing to help feed them. So I think that I have a good understanding of sales. I have a pretty good understanding of finance. I have a good understanding of product and go to market. And I, I also am really big on the culture of an organization and feel that my responsibility as a female and as an executive is to help bring others along. So I think um, I can confidently say that I've had in my career, members of my team, there's now seven CMOs, 11 or 12 VPs of marketing, countless directors of marketing that have been on my team, mostly because I've forced them into roles that... And when I say force, it's like, I know you don't really like salespeople all that much, but I want you to manage the internal BDR team because I want you to understand how hard it is for them to do. It's like, this is good for you. It's really, it's like, take your vitamins and this is good for you. And people that I've pushed people into product marketing because they're really good content people and product marketing has to be able to talk in such a way to be able to have the sales enablement materials for sales. So all this kind of adds up that every experience that you have, it makes you better at everything that you're doing.
2: Mm. That's a, that's a good nugget right there. Your experience makes you better Mm -hmm. at what you're doing in the future. That's great. Um, How did you know at each stop in your career, how did you know personally that it was time to pivot to something different? Has it, has it, like we hear so much. The CMO's lifespan is like 18 months. But, well, thanks. I mean, right. Well, like, I mean, I mean, in a company, I, guess, I must
1: be little. about up now,
2: <laughs> but you know, we, we see that so often in the, in the world of, of marketing and growth. I mean, how did you know that it was time to pivot? Have you just lost your job every time? Do you try to look for new challenges? What's been your journey? Um, That's
1: a good question, Dan. Uh, I think, Depending on your role, and, and I believe that as a marketer, if you can attach yourself to revenue, and not just attach yourself to ideas, um, like getting in the arts and crafts component where so many new CMOs come in and say, I'm going to fix the website, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it all, we're going to change the color, it's going to be pink, and we're going to have green balloons everywhere, and That is such a massive project, and you would be so much more successful if instead of trying to eat like a giant 10-layer chocolate cake, which costs $400,000, go in and figure out what's working, figure out what's not working. And I I think this is where many marketers get hung up, because almost guaranteed, I mean, you know, every time you go to change a website, it's a fail. It is, it's just a fail because you can't, you can't make it work. I have gone to work for two companies where the CEO decided for whatever reason, I'm gonna combine all these well-working brand name websites into one branded company website, which, oh, by the way, nobody knows. They, they only know these product names, but you know, we're gonna make it all this one. And then you, you, you say to them, you cut off a million visitors a year. Or you nobody knows that Ipswich belongs to WhatsApp Gold. They think that you're a PE company that bought this, What's Up Gold, and they're IT people. And IT people, you know what? They like What's Up Gold. They don't know Ipswich from a hole in the wall. And so you 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 get this and then you have to kind of like redivide it again and and trying to talk well, we already spent so much money on it. It's like you know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man, but, you know, if what you're trying to do is you want your customers, A, to come back to you, don't make it hard for them. Don't confuse them. So those are some of the things that um, <laughs> it's I I can say that I've been fired and I've never lost any blood over it. I've been fired because, you know, one company after three years, because I got the, you know, it's just not working out anymore. Well, they wanted to bring in somebody else. Um, they wanted to bring in a chief revenue officer, and I flat out refused to work for this person. So it was like, uh, it's not me, it's you kind of a thing that, you know, go ahead, have fun, and <clears throat> As soon as I leave, you you hear the horror stories, right? They say, "Would you come back, Gene? I'm like, "No," you know. It's like no way. But I've worked in a number of companies where um, it's it's sort of the uh, it's interesting. It's a, it's such an interesting question that I I I have enjoyed all of my experiences but there's degrees of pain at which you're willing to put up with things. And yeah. so, so much of it is, do you like your team? Do you, are you trying to protect your team, keep your team whole? And you're, because you know, at a certain level, all you can do is hold the umbrella over their head to make sure nothing, you know, comes downhill on them. Mm-hmm. And, and are you growing as an individual? Are you learning? And, I have to say that I've been very, very lucky. I, I, have I had some uncomfortable experiences? Yes. I, I've actually had times where I've gone to the CEO and I've said, you know, I, there was one fitness equipment company that I was commuting to St. Louis. It was True Fitness. And we had designed a, a treadmill. I actually built, the, the created the chip, the design for the chip in Excel for women's weight loss, women can't do the men like you've been taking a walk every single day i've been watching i'm watching your feed every i'm going thank out It's well, minus <laughs> 40 degrees and i'm going out but for That's women Michigan, right? <laughs> yeah, i know uh, and windy um and yeah. but for women um they really should be working out at like 60 percent of their maximum you know women need to like walk and walk on an incline and then down a walk you know it's like the mm. fat burning component so i designed a, a chip that and anyway, blah, blah, blah. And so we sold 3,000 of these treadmills to um, the the dealers in the United States because they're all fitness equipment dealers. And the number one fitness time of year to buy a fitness equipment is right around. Everyone wants a treadmill under their Christmas tree or happy Hanukkah or whatever, because you say, I'm not going to go to a gym. I'm just going to put the treadmill in the basement or in the bedroom or in the den. And while I'm watching TV, I'm going to walk. So So we pre-ordered 3000 treadmills and uh, they manufactured everything in St. Louis. They had the powder coating facility, the manufacturing, the treadmills and everything. But what they did not get was the chip. So you pre-ordered 3,000 treadmills, they're four or $5,000 treadmills, steel coated, they weigh about four or 500 pounds, mm-hmm. and you just have an awful lot of them in the warehouse and no chip to be able to run it. So I remember going to the CEO and saying, you know, until you get your manufacturing stuff, you know, I did my job, you know, we got them sold, you got pre-orders for them, but you know, there's, there's a selling season and then, then there's not. Yeah. And, and so, you know, sometimes you just have to say it's probably you need somebody else <laughs> at yeah, the yeah. company at this juncture. And I remember there at that company, you're going to laugh at me, but um, I remember buying the entire fitness category for a year, for a year, uh, for $25,000 online online. I've watched the, and my feeling was that if somebody had had um, a computer. Uh, And rather than pay for print, because if you put an ad when I was working for Cybex Trotter, we used to advertise in uh, the Wall Street Journal. But I wanted to be able to do something that was online. If you had a computer, and these are the people that are buying two treadmills at a time, that if I could buy the category and somebody was searching and they came to our landing page, to our website, that they were a likely candidate for us. Isn't that, that was fun. 25000 for the year. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You can spend that oh. in a day now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. But if you don't have, don't have the chip, you ain't doing it. Um, so that sounds like a bit like a Rocky sea. would you consider that a shipwreck along your journey or do you have other ones that you're no, like, man, no, so no, that
1: wasn't. What a shipwreck.
2: A, so what does a shipwreck look like for you then?
1: If, if my team gets damaged, um, mm. is that, uh, I guess that, um, it it's it's uh it's upsetting on i i'll live i'll always live i'll always be okay you know i'll i'll be fine but it's when it's when my team starts if i'm trying to think of some environments where my team might have uh been under the gun and you know sometimes people just make a decision that they don't like such and so so you have to get rid of the person And I don't think that does any, that's not good for anyone's ego. You can never, you can never just rip a bandaid off. And I look at that as a personal fail. If I've ever had to let anybody go, I haven't made them successful. So that's, that's, that, that bothers me when I can't make someone successful and, um, because everybody is good at something. And, and to me, like building a team is like a Sudoku game and that you're just trying to add them up and maybe they're not good here. Like uh, right now I had a, mark, a marketing ops guy and he was doing okay, but we have a really, really good marketing op, uh, business ops guy. So I put this individual in product marketing and he is he's blowing it out of the water. He's doing a great job. It's just a matter of just kind of filling things out I can't, I can't point to any really rocky anythings. Um, I think I've been really blessed uh, over the years. I've had the full support of my family, had the full support of executive teams, boards. Um, I think my biggest weakness is I bore easily. And if I don't have seven different projects going on at any time, you know, that's, that's my problem. That's not a company's problem.
2: Uh, how do you manage that then? I think I might have a little bit of that too. Like, I want a lot of things going on. How do you manage that? You just stay busy?
1: <laughs> um, Oh, busy is relative. I'm a big list maker um, and I just try to make sure. And I have a fantastic husband who keeps the trains running on time. Um, My daughters are now 21, uh, and so they're in their senior year of college and they're graduating. One is applied mathematics and the other is engineering. um, Two different schools and they're doing quite well and I'm very happy they learned hard work and they like to work. They understand the value of work. They understand the value of thank you notes. There's another thing that we all have to teach. Thank you notes. Um, and, and, and it's, uh, so, so there's an element of creativity, an element of things. I just, I feel that I like to, I like to be looking forward to something. Uh, And that's where product launches become fun, looking forward to uh, the next step, the next area and and how we're going to grow, but also being able to connect with other people and being able to encourage them to be able to be successful. I I wish that more people would spend time on LinkedIn giving kudos or uh, congratulations or recommendations to people that really deserve it. haven't thought about in your life maybe that maybe have helped you out at some point and being able to, um, just say, Hey, thanks. You've, I've learned a lot from you. And that, carry so much weight with individuals that that is part of our network. That's that it's not just the connection on LinkedIn, but it's also recognizing, recognizing the help that that individual has given you and the, the, the joy or the ability to be successful. So mm-hmm. I, it was something I was thinking about the um, international women's day is coming up on March 8th. And I was thinking about it. There's a women's group that I'm involved in. Uh, Maven Minds that Marta Kagan, who used to be at HubSpot as well, she started. And I said, what can we do to kind of start this, to get people so that they're doing more for each other? And it's just something I've been thinking about and trying to get a little more aware of or be, mm-hmm. have others be more aware of.
2: Well, it sounds like community <laughs> is such a big part of what you do, not only in leadership, you know, you're trying to build a community, a, a great team, you serve them as a servant leader. But also in this, like we just talked about with with the International Women's Day and, and giving kudos and building that community. Like that's how that seems to be an important factor for you.
1: It is. And and one of the reasons I started Table Fries, the podcast, was for the women of Lola. Um, because I can tell you that there's very few women that come on podcasts. Uh they just the sheer fact of either hearing their audio or doing a video. Um I wanted women on the team to realize that it's a conversation just like i'm having a conversation with you dan it's having a conversation and getting them over that hump and here at lola I started uh, my fourth Toastmasters group so that uh, we meet every two weeks for about 45 minutes. And believe it or not, most of the attendees are engineers because I've, you have to know how to speak. You, you need to know how to put your thoughts together with a minimum of uhs and ums and crutch words. You know it, you've heard it, that you have people that are presenting and if every other word is an um, how distracting is that? Mm
2: very difficult,
1: mm. very difficult. It's very difficult for them when they have something very important to say. So I am working with the internal team so that we can get more people speaking at conferences, at hackathons, at different things where they can be more successful. Mm. That's, that to me is community, but it's also, mm-hmm. it, it, Toastmasters is not just about speaking, it's about leadership. It's about being able to represent the company in a way that benefits not only
2: them, but benefits the company. Mm-hmm. Gosh, such good stuff, you, Gene. <laughs> you, you, you seem to fit, in my mind, the attributes of a wayfinder. You know, we're talking on, this is the Wayfinding Growth Show. Wayfinder is someone who helps you get to where you're going. They navigate, they, they assist. Uh, you do that for others so much. If, if someone were to ask you, for your best piece of advice as a wayfinder to others that are in growth mode, what would your first piece of advice be?
1: Accept help when it's offered. I learned something wonderful from Mike Fulpe that I've taken and incorporated it at my, in myself. He always ends every every conversation that he has, text messaging. He'll he'll say, "How can I help?" And I try to say, let me know what I can do to help. But I also reach out to people, people that I found out that maybe had been terminated for one reason or another, and written them a note on LinkedIn and offered a recommendation, offered to be a backup. Don't wait until your life changes in some dramatic way. Offer help now, ask for help now. And it will come back to tenfold.
2: That's really good. Yeah, don't wait till the storm to prepare. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, right? I noticed that when I when I lost a job at one point in my not-too-distant past, uh, I was very fortunate to have put that time in without even really thinking about it. I think I'm very naturally a community person you as are.
1: well. You are, and definitely.
2: Just, well, thank you. And, and, I, and I love to give. I mean, I don't network to see what I can get. Yeah. I network to see what I can give. And right. with, within... A few hours, I had several people helping me and offering great. to connect. So, yeah, it's so important to do that work all the time.
1: All the time, yes. And and I one thing I get so many people that only want fifteen minutes of my time, and I can't tell you how many cups of coffee people want to buy for me. I don't drink coffee; I drink iced tea. I have my little glass of iced tea right here. Here's my iced tea. I drink iced tea. And I don't drink coffee, and so the the sheer act of that is it it's you don't know me and you want you want my time, and yet even when you get my time you're not you're not being conscious of the time and it's because it, sometimes when we have a I get a demo and i I agree that I can be way too blunt, way too direct when they, you've got 20 minutes of my time, I've asked to see the demo, I'm set up with a couple of my team members, and then you start taking me through Bant, or you start taking me through a capabilities presentation, it's like, okay, we're past that, <laughs> and, yeah. and please don't try to qualify me right now, you know, I'm like ready to buy, I'm like in a go, no-go kind of a mode, and I always feel bad for the salespeople, because they're doing their job, but it's almost like they, they, you have to press this button before, you, you know, like when you're watching a television show and you watch the same series, right? And then you're like, I don't want to watch this intro anymore. I've, I've seen it 480 times. Skip intro. Man. Exactly, skip it. Just, whoop, I'm good. Got it. I understand. Let's go. And I think that kind of feedback bothers a lot of people. And and I, then I feel bad. Then I then I'm ashamed of myself because I'm like rushing people when they don't want to be rushed. <laughs>
2: But that's a, that's the the interesting thing about today, though. The beauty of the commerce today is that we, as those consumers, have that power. Yeah, yeah. And so, so then take the hat hat off and put on the other hat. We as businesses need to recognize that. Yeah. And truly know the people with whom we're speaking. So. Yeah. 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 Great stuff, Gene. Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to make sure the Wayfinders know?
1: No, tell me tell me what you're the, the about. Talk to me a little bit about the Wayfinders and what are you hoping to achieve with these podcasts.
2: Our goal is to bring inspiration of how to grow better to to the world, right? I mean, you know, ultimately with every every business, it's about revenue, but wayfinding Mm -hmm. growth in particular is more a chance for Remington and I to riff with thought leaders and bring inspiration to other growth minded folks, whether they're entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. or executives and just build that relationship with them so that we are that vehicle by which they learn and get inspiration. Um, so it sounds kind of lofty, but that's basically what it is. And then every other week, Remington and I riff, just the two of us mm-hmm. or an, or another internal person and mm-hmm. talk about how we grow as a company, impulse creative mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so specifically agencies and that kind of thing, but how do we grow and pull back the curtain and then Remington jokingly calls it his therapy session. <laughs> that's what it ends up being, you know, he'll talk about things that he's working through or struggling with. We did yep. an unpacking our own marketing, uh, an episode, a few episodes ago just to kind of show people that we don't have all the answers, but we're working through it and we're always learning too. So it's really about building that community and building that comeback show to build an audience, so.
1: Right. yeah. I think people would benefit from the ability to be able to present their ideas in this type of a context. And so it is therapy. It's a mastermind session, if you will, that people can learn from this. I, I like that. That's, that's awesome. And it's a, you're definitely helping people. I'm sure.
2: That, that's our hope. That's our biggest hope. Right? So, <laughs> yes. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time today being on the Wayfinding girls show. It's been an absolutely incredible pleasure, my friend thank you sir I miss you thank you for listening if you like this episode please share it post it tweet it gram it email a friend give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it and if you really loved it please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice and as always go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes remember we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.